Agutmoyed. Shalom Aleichem, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov. As we celebrate today the Siyum of Sefer Nezikin, book number 10, and we venture forth into Sefer Kinyan. Welcome, one, welcome, all. Agutmoyed. It's an auspicious time to celebrate today. Chai Nissen, Rebbe Yitzhak's birthday, Rebbe's Bris. Of course, we finished the book, Mesmichas to the Rambam's birthday. And as we're preparing for this Mashiach, we know the famous uh, <clears throat> statement that's brought in the name of the Ruzhiner, that the Rambam was meant to be Mashiach in his generation. That's why he assembled, put together all the halachas for all generations, including to be able to live in a Mashiach, a Mashiach generation. For whatever reason, his generation, writes the Ruzhiner, was not deserving of it. Hence, the Ravid came along and uh, gave a little clap and knocked it a little bit here and there. Uh, but here we are preparing for Mashiach, and uh, on this auspicious day of Chaynis, and we come together to celebrate those who are on live, want to welcome, want to welcome those who are joining us on Chabad.org, those who will join us. And today's seal is dedicated to Nishmas HaTomim Yosef Yitzchak Ben Tzvi Zev, Zaklis, Yossi Zaklis, a Tomim who was dedicated to the Rebbe Yanim. I uh, knew him, he was an older Bachar, he was taken away uh, in the prime of his life at a, young, at a young age, but he merited to inspire many, myself included, to walk and fulfill the Takhanas of the Rebbe, whether it was Mitzayim, whether it was Limud HaTayra, and may all the inspiration and the Limud that comes from today's Siyam be an Aliyah for his Neshama dedicated by his family. We are now going to begin today, and I'm seeing you can look at the chat to receive Rambam resources daily, the WhatsApp number, those who are on together. We're going to begin today a discussion, a conversation in preparation for the Siyam on the Zikin. The Rebbe told us not to predate the Siyam, but we can post-date it a few days. And we are honored to have us we have with us Rabbi Shlema Yafi. He is the Rav at Congregation Menei in Springfield, Massachusetts. But he is well known throughout the Talmudic world, the legal world, and his unique ability to be able to fuse together Torah and modern American law, modern Jewish law, and how the two come together. And what an appropriate and, 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 and a very fitting opportunity to be able to have this conversation as we just concluded Hilchas Reitzeach, Shmiras Hanefesh. Rabbi Yafi, welcome, welcome. Agut Mayed. It's you. Okay, there's something blocking your face there a little bit. Do you see this? Okay. Hold on. The camera. Hold on. I think I... Okay. Um, well, we we'll are... begin Rabbi Yafi. We just talked a lot about snake venom. I don't know where you live. Maybe Rabbi Cantor has snakes morphed snake venom in, uh, in Thailand. But in California on the East Coast, we talk about dangers. We talk about protecting ourselves. How literally are we meant to take? And how are we to understand? Is this something we accept at Kabbalah cell, that we now look around for snake venom in the middle of Manhattan and Brooklyn? Uh, and how do we apply this? And of course, there's not such a far leap to uh, COVID as we move to how we have to protect ourselves and to what degree and to what nth of one degree should a Jew go to protect him or herself, whether it comes to speeding down a highway, whether it comes to making sure, sure that all your appliances are in order. Give us a synopsis in 60 seconds or less. Now I'm kidding about the 60 seconds, uh, but give, give us a little bit of an overview, Rabbi Yafi. So you'll, you'll note that if you carefully compare the list of things that are considered to be a significant sakana, significant danger in the Rambam and the things that are considered to be a sakana in the Gemara, the Rambam's list is much shorter. The Rambam is very concerned with snake venom. 
because he lived in a similar place uh, to the uh, with regards to these man to the manashas, uh, similar place and situation. But what's very clear from his discussion about this, which proceeds from Micah, which proceeds with the uh, obligation to to guard one life, that in essence the the key point over here is that uh, that basically a person needs to avoid to the extent that they can anything that anything that might be dangerous that is not part of normal everyday life. In other words, you'll notice that the Rambam doesn't discuss a lot of the dangers inherent in normal everyday life. So for example, uh, there are a lot of halachas, both in the, the Shabbos and Yontav aspect and in the discussion uh, later in uh, of partnerships and so on in Kenyan uh, and a mishpatim about about ships and sea journeys and ships and sea journeys in those days were extraordinarily dangerous. The Rambam's brother died in a storm off the coast of India, uh, which forced the Rambam into the doctor business. The Rambam's brother does it. So the fact that it used to be that he supported, you know, he, that that was the family business and everyone was supported from it. But the point is, is that wherever danger can be avoided, wherever it's possible to avoid a sakana, even though the danger of snake venom is relatively, uh, is relatively small, uh, even in those places in those times, because most snake venoms act on the bloodstream. So you have to have some kind of ulcer or cut in your mouth, your esophagus or your stomach for the snake venom uh, to, be, uh, to be poisonous to you. Uh, but the point is that any sakana that's remotely possible because Hamira Sakanta Misura, Sakana uh, danger is stricter than than things that are prohibited by the Torah. And later postkim, uh, for example, later postkim, a lot of them- well, If I don't need to get into a car, I shouldn't get into a car as a Jew? Well, we are, I already addressed that with, uh, with the caravans and the ships. In other words, the premise, and the Rambam doesn't talk about this, but later, in particular, Achreinim talk about the idea that there's actually some very good, um, there's actually, from the 19th century, there's a lot of good shuvas about this. Um, the Shemer Pesayim Hashem, anything which is part of the normal mode of making a living. Again, a lot of things, like going in a ship, like driving any car built before 1970, uh, which clearly our own Rebbe drove in such cars, uh, are, um, you know, and uh, are, is, uh, that was much more dangerous than driving in any car built today. It goes by the time and the place. Obviously, the sakana of the normal part of lo- of the normal things that we do in life, but no one, but it's not a big deal not to drink the water from that was left overnight that may have snake venom in it. That doesn't impact your life. You can throw out a watermelon. It's not, you know, it, it's not going to kill you. Um, and, it, and it doesn't interfere with your ability to, to make a living and, and survive. Uh, conversely, uh, and by so the same where, where the, the, the controversy of wearing a mask and, and without getting into the politics of the social distancing. Well, I don't it, see it as, as a controversy. You know, clearly, you know, clearly there's a general uh, 1% uh, death rate from COVID, which is way more than one in a thousand. Uh, clearly, clearly many, many vulnerable groups, uh, which, in, which includes the elderly and the obese of which we, uh, which we have many in our midst are ve- much higher death rates. And wearing a mask doesn't take anything out of you. It doesn't take anything away from you. And it 
it, it saves lives. We lost 500,000 people to COVID in this country. If anyone been wearing masks consistently from the beginning, like in South Korea and Taiwan, we'd have lost less than 50,000. So, you know, we're talking 450,000 deaths, uh, which could be avoided. So, and more than that, you know, because this is a short session, let me just say that this premise that the small inconvenience of wearing a mask that can save multiple lives, the one is obliged to do so, is that every, you know, every serious person who has a serious following as Paskin, that you have to follow the medical advice and wear masks. Everyone that various wackos on the internet have quoted to me about not wearing masks are Paiskim I have never heard of in my life. And I've heard of a lot of Paiskim. Okay, so let's- uh, You heard so it from Rabbi Yaffe here. He's very, very clear on, on this point. Uh, just to extend this premise- like, I'm saying, but for example, how many- On the you know, highway. I just wanna, so for example, yeah. on the highway, again, Driving is normal, but zooming down at 40 miles an hour over the speed limit, I mean, that already goes into the later question of Ari Mikla. It goes into the question of Karev Lameza. There was a point of recklessness, uh, like when you when you knock down a wall into the public street without thinking who's there. There's a level of recklessness that is very close to murder to the extent that we can't protect you from the Goyal Adam. So, you know, and then, then there's a degree of recklessness, which which gets you into Dari Nikva. The Rambam, uh, as opposed to many other, to several other Rishonim, Dafka says that there's a logical reason for this halacha. And the logical reason is that all the cases where one has to go to Dari Nikva is a case, all, that you do have to go into exile, is a case where you have been negligent and could have been more careful. Whereas things that are far out freak accidents, we don't consider you guilty at all. The Goyal Adam can't go after you and you don't have to go to the Ari Miklat. Wow. Okay, there's obviously a lot more to talk on the topic and they said to, to put this all in one word, but thank you very much. Let, let's just go to one other area which we just recently covered. It was in the news a few days ago that Virginia was the first state, a Southern state in the union. If you still consider Virginia a Southern state, that's a, 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 a we'll talk about that a different time, but the first Southern state to ban the uh, death penalty. Uh, and uh, we've just covered this issue, and I know obviously it's the million dollar question, what is Torah, what is Rabbi, what does Judaism say about the death penalty? We all get that question. We've just studied the Rambam. So could you sort of give us a general overview on where, what, and how you see this in the framework of Jewish law? Okay, so, so first of all, we know that the Torah provides many, many death penalties and also makes it extraordinarily difficult um, to apply to apply that death penalty. So if we were to so if we were to use the terrorist standards uh, in general, we wouldn't ever execute a murderer. However, the Rambam is is quite clear that when it comes that when it comes to murder, and he discussed this both here and in Shaftim, that both the Melech, the king, the executive branch, and the Beisdin itself have the power to execute a murderer, like someone who ties someone up in front of a lion or hires someone to kill. All the cases were alpi halacha, you're not the murderer, because Torah uh, in itself looks at the action. Everyone's responsible for their actions and it has to be a direct action. But unlike most other cases, there is a habitual and common permission to execute people when we're dealing with murder. As a matter of fact, there's a very famous chova of the Maram Lublin from the 1500s, where he makes it very clear that in a case where one Jew murdered another, and it's only because the Polish government didn't let the Jews do their own death penalty, that it's, that it's mandatory to hand this person over to the Polish authorities to be executed. 
And the Maram wow. explains, and the Maram explains, and he quotes this Rambam, I believe. I don't, I'm pretty sure he quotes it. If not, it's implicit that there's two reasons why you would execute someone in this case, either because murder have been unheard of in the Jewish community. And there's a concern that if we don't crack down on it right away, and the person is not severe, the ultimate punishment, it might spread. Or where murder is a common problem, then we need to take very aggressive measures against it. Now, why is this relevant to B'nai Nayach? So the Ramah, the Ramah in Truva Yud, in his Truvas, which is actually a copyright case about ironically printing a Rambam. So he takes a different approach uh, to the Rambam with regards to Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Nayach. He tines that it's not merely a, a Nimus thing. Uh, he says that wherever it's applicable, any law in Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Nayach that has a parallel in Jewish law, that the law of the the law of Chazal, the law of the Gemara and Paiskim, is ideally the law for non-Jews too. So therefore, the same way that it's clear that we allow execution where the where there is a problem with murder, and we certainly have a problem with murder in this society, that it is something praiseworthy to do. However, the caveat is that that the that it's very clear from our Rambam that we're talking about a case where there's no doubt that this happened, even if we don't have two kosher witnesses. In other words, we. In other words, uh, for these, it's very clear for multiple. But, but before, before you go there, what you're saying, Rabbi, is that based on the Ramah, America should ideally try following Jewish civil law to what to whatever extent is possible and feasible in that context. That's the way the Ramah sees. The that United would be the ideal. Yes. And it's wow. Alderich, the Rebbe once said, talking at a Siyam Sefer Noshim, I believe, I think it was the first year, that we find by, I'm pretty sure it was a Siyam, but anyways, the Rebbe was speaking about Sefer Noshim and saying that even though B'nai Noyach have much looser concepts of marriage and family and Arroyes, that he says many Noahide societies, such as our own, have taken upon themselves formal marriage and, and, and you know, and, and a... And a uh, you know, in a strong uh, loyalty and family structure, and that's a good thing. Alderach the Rambam says, you know, on a pretty, on a pretty regular basis, um, that, uh, the, you know, the, 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 we, we see on we see on a pretty regular basis that the Rambam points out. I mean, primarily in in Shaftim, but it's clear in other places in Shuvas that a non-Jew who wants to keep uh, more mitzvahs of the Torah, with the exception of Shabbos and limited Torah, that's not negatim, it's permitted to do so. Um, wow, now, that's fascinating. Someone, so now you were going to go to somewhere else. You were going to say something. I interrupted you. I'm sorry, Rabbi. You were going no, to say I was just saying that that we're assuming a problem in a lot of the southern states, especially, bef uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, before the civil rights movement, even after, is that people, because of their race or their life, tended to be uh, tended to be uh, tended to be executed with inappropriate evidence and tended to be executed and they're innocent. In other words. If you look at the Lushan of the Rambam, that he put the guy in, he, he tied him up and fed him to the lions and so on, we're clearly talking about a case where we don't, that we have no doubt that this happened. In other words, and also based on the Maram Lublin, it seems clear that we're talking about the standard known in American laws beyond reasonable doubt, which is much higher than the standard for civil cases. So, which brings me, uh, 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 um, you know, uh, someone just raised the question, about uh, about uh, someone just raised an interesting question about DNA and the like. So the answer is, given the degree of accuracy of DNA 
at the present moment. We use it for heteragunas. We use it to allow, like with the World Trade Center victims, to their wives to remarry. Uh, I think that DNA evidence is actually as good for beyond a reasonable doubt as anything else. It's the simona de muchach more than the parts of Ponim, than the appearance of the face that we learned about earlier with regards to the laws of Igun um, in, in Sefer Noshe. Rabbi Yafi, we could go on all day and uh, want to really thank you for taking for your time, for being the Zaka the Elam over here. And it would be our honor if you would please uh, conclude for us on the screen. Everyone will now see. Although we've concluded a few days ago, we're now going to formally celebrate the conclusion of Sefer Nezikin. And on the screen, please, if you could share with us and just read the very end or the last halacha. Here we go. Asayna Shanemra, please, Rabbi Yafi. Okay. So, uh, so, the, so it says the key... Uh, uh, your neighbor's donkey. So the question is, your enemy's donkey. So who's your enemy? It's not an Andrew, it's a Jew. And the Torah says, well, no. So the Rambam goes on to say that there are times where, and apropos of the Tanya says, that we have to hate a person who is both, uh, who is both a colleague, a friend, and on our level of Torah uh, and mitzvahs. At least we have to hate the evil within him. But even if the person didn't do tshuva, so I have a bad feeling about this person because they know better and didn't do the right thing. Nevertheless, the Torah says that if you, uh, that, that nevertheless, uh, that if you see that if there's a chance that he'll come to Sakana because he'll wait for, he'll, he'll try to hang around in the dark for his money. But And the Torah concerns itself with every Jewish life, and whether unrepentant wicked people are the most righteous. Because they're attached to Hashem and believed in the fundamentals uh, of, of, the, of, of our faith. They believe in the fundamentals of discussed. And Hashem says, I don't want the dead, the wicked person to die. I want him to live by virtue of his tshuva. And the, and the, the fundamental idea over here is that precisely that if you have a, a friend and this person who your the Torah commands you to have a degree of hatred for, um, both with their donkeys collapsed on the road, you help the Sinai first. Why? Because we, because we, because we Dafka want to express this idea. Um, that that the lives of the wicked and the righteous of the Jewish people are of equal value because Hashem chose this person and because this person is Nilvim, he's part of Am Yisrael. So by Dafka going to the one who I might think is a lesser Jew and demonstrating that he's not a lesser Jew, there, therefore, and uh, and and therefore. Uh, we we bring out we we the fundamental value of every yid, and the ultimate result is hopefully that he, the person moves to the place of v'choya. Okay. Thank you very 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 much, Agresi Ashakeh Rabbi Yafi. Thank you very very much, Maskif and Ashlam Alaschala. We jump immediately without stopping right from the very end of Nezikin to Kenyan. Someone who wants to become wise, the Gemara tells us, should delve into the Mominus, which we are in the midst of now delving into. And it is now our honor to have joined us right here, live, Rabbi Cantor. If we could, before we even begin anything, if we can please put on the screen before introducing you, before discussing anything, and if you could please honor us with learning and teaching and just reading the first halacha from Hilton.
Mechir over here, please. Yeah, Hamekach Einoi Nikne Bidvarim. An article is not acquired merely through a verbal agreement. This applies even when witnesses testify that the principles have reached an agreement. That's not enough. There needs to be an actual transaction uh, in order to generate the acquisition. What is implied? The person says, I'm selling you this house. I'm selling you this wine. Or in the days when there was uh, um, slaves. I'm selling you this servant. And the purchaser agrees and says, I purchased it. I purchased it. And the seller says, I sold it. And they told the witness, be witnesses for us. This one sold and this one bought. This is of no consequence. It's as if they had never spoken to each other at all. The same applies with regard to a person who gives a gift and its recipient. This is something that requires actual forms of transaction. There needs to be, we all, we're all familiar in the business world, that there are various ways that acquisitions are made. And the Ramam will go on to explain how acquisitions are made. It's very, uh, very uh, appropriate that we learn this on Pesach, because this is one of the reasons we explain, a, 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 I'll tell you a beautiful story. Uh, my son-in-law was in Manhattan on, uh, just before, a few days ago before Pesach, and he was trying to convince somebody who's, who always agrees to put on tefillin, and he tried to agree him to sell his, his, his chametz. And he says, no, 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 Rabbi, this looks too complicated. When he started reading the contract, I'm giving him permission, and I'm doing an acquisition. He says, no, Rabbi, this is not for me. So he said, no, you got it. He says, no, I always just go to my next door neighbor, and I, and I give him the chametz. He says, no, but what about that very fancy whiskey? You're going to give it to the... Oh, no, no, that, 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 that single mom. No, 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 no. So he says, so you got to do a sale, so it's not going to be yours on Pesach. He says, so, so, so Rabbi, let me put your name in there. So my son-in-law is a young man, just finished. Uh, you know, he has a smicha, but he's not a practicing rabbi yet. He said, no, 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 no. I don't know all the ins and outs. And um, anyway, he said, no, this is not for me. So he, um, driving home, my son-in-law gets a call. He says, you know, the guy says, I called my wife and I told her he wouldn't believe it. This rabbi was here and he wanted to insist that I signed the dotted line and I sell the chametz. And she said, yeah, I did it already. It's okay. He said, what? <laughs> Who told you about it? He says, I do it every year. So his wife was selling his chametz every year. But the point being that the reason it seems simple and the reason we advise people to um, give a power of attorney to their rabbi to go through and, and actually create the acquisition is because things don't just go like that. You can't just say, I sold it to you, you bought it. You need to actually do um, what we call kenyonim methods of acquisition that should be legally binding, halachically binding, and therefore it's more, a bit more intricate than just uh, uh, creating a bill of sale um, off the computer. You have to know what you're doing, and that's why, generally speaking, we empower the rabbi who's uh, learned from another rabbi going back in the Jewish tradition and knows how to fulfill all the details. Wow. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, the very first time I saw a rabbi sell a chametz was when I spent a Pesach with you 20 years ago in Bangkok. It was the first time that I saw a rabbi sell the chametz. I was a bachra at the time. And uh, usually before Pesach, I know this is the, your busiest season of the year, Pesach, Siddharam for thousands of, year, thousands of Jews all around Thailand. I understand with travel, it might be a little bit less this year. Uh, and I was expecting you to have a calm, easy, easy to get a hold of Rabbi Cantor, but he just landed literally moments ago from a flight to Florida and a flight here. And he's flying around, even in the days when Moshe Luchim have the six day, few days a year 
where there's not any mifsoim, we've already given out the Shmur Matzah, we've no tefillin to do, we're bored, but you found things to do. So first of all, thank you for jumping on right here after the flight. And as we're about to start, we're going to go into Kenyan, we're going to go into uh, the complexities of all the halachas that we learned in yeshiva. So we have Rabbi Cantor here who's going to give us a little bit of an oomph and to give us a little bit of a, a, a chayis so that we rev up our engines for these last few books of the Rambam, starting with Kenyan. So Rabbi Cantor, you're out there, you're doing, you're also someone who is in the world of Teireh as well. Can you please give us a uh, charge as we are going to venture forth into Sefer Kenyan? to get us to be committed to this daily commitment to the Rebbe, to do it, and the brachas that exist that come from it. You know, the biggest uh, gift of learning Rambam is the actual learning Rambam. But I can just tell you that my uh, uh, Uber driver from JFK just now did not understand why there's rain and there's no traffic. He says, I don't understand why there's no traffic. I didn't go into Lent to explain to him that I'm going to go and see my Rambam broadcast, and it's going to be much better if I'm back at home and I can do it from computer, and I'm not in a, in a car that's driving over puddles or sitting in traffic. So that these are the kind of things that, that happen when you do the uh, the Takon of Limad Arambam. Things just uh, just go smoothly. I'll tell you an incredible story. Uh, earlier, Raleigh, you asked me for a story, and I didn't remember any, but I remember I have this incredible story. Every Simchas Torah in our community, I uh, we go around, and after our coffers, when we're sitting at the, at the Yom Tov Suda and the Fabreng, and as the Rebbe would, uh, in the earlier years, come and pour mashka, and, and uh, if anybody would take an added uh, uh, obligation of learning chassidus, so we have this custom, after by the Sudas Yom Tov, um, we pour mashka to give l'chaim to anybody who's ready to take upon himself an addition in learning Torah, doing mitzvah, something. And over the years, the people in the community know they look forward to Simchas Torah. This is a time when they're going to be told by the rabbi, asked by the rabbi, or suggestion will be given what they can do. And this year we didn't have, uh, we didn't have uh, some people couldn't come. But there was a Jew who lives out of town in Thailand, but not in Bangkok. He couldn't come. And I told him, look, I'm going to give you my Simchas Torah thing. I'd asked him before to learn one parak Rambam a day, but he, he said it's too difficult. It's a Jew who came to Torah Mitzvah, started coming to Torah at 50 years old. Didn't know anything about anything. Born Jewish, but didn't know anything about Judaism. 50 he started, now it's 10 years later, and he's doing the Chumash every week, and he's learning Tanya, and he likes Chassidus, but Ramam was a difficult nut to crack. And I told him, right before Simchas Torah, I said, I'm asking you to take on the Simchas Torah commitment to learn Rambam, or a little bit before, but when we were at the beginning of Sefer Av, I think, right at the end of Mada. And I'm going to tell you later why, but right now I need you to take this on. Please take me, because I had seen various stories that when people were in need of a Yeshua, a special salvation, a special miracle, some, some kind of special thing. I, I don't remember where the stories I saw at the time at the beginning of this uh, uh, um, cycle of Rambam, but I saw various stories that people that had learned Rambam in a more serious way or in a commitment committed way had had seen unusual blessings from Hashem in their life. And this person had a son who it seemed to be a, quite a challenge to get a shidduch for him for various reasons. And I didn't tell the father why I want him to learn Rambam, but I said, I think that the, the, the answer is going to be in this father learning Rambam, and he's going to get the bracha he needs. What do you know that towards the end of Hilchis Ishus, the laws of marriage, he called me and said, my son called me and said that it's getting serious. I should be prepared. It's getting serious. When he called and said that he got engaged, he sent me a picture from by the oil of the Rebbe, and this boy got engaged with a very fine shidduch, something extraordinary that one couldn't have imagined back then when he started learning Rambam. And he didn't know yet why he's learning Rambam. 
I said, uh, so now I want to tell you, you see which chat, which book we are in Rambam? We're in Book of Noshim, Book of Women about marriage. So I want to tell you, when I asked you to learn Rambam, I didn't want to tell you why. I thought you have to learn Rambam because I said that that's the Rebbe's Takana, the Rebbe wants you, you're a chassid, the wants you to learn Rambam. You have to learn Perak Rambam, it's a mitzvah to learn the whole Torah. But in the middle of Sefer Noshim, just after Hilchas Ishus, he was a little concerned because the actual engagement happened in Hilchas Gedishin. But I said, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Gitten and Kedushin, first comes Gitten and Kedushin, don't worry about that. That's, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> but it happened before my eyes. If it wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it would be hard for me to believe. But this is um, only myself and the Duches, uh, probably, it's probably in my Duches to the Rebbe that I was asking this person to learn Rambam, and my Kavana was that it should bring him a thing. And I told him, so that was my Kavana. So keep on learning because you want the Shidduch to, to keep on going well. So that's just wow. that. so that, that's just uh, you know one of those stories that probably happen uh, all over the world various times and just they're under the table you just have to bend down to pick it up. But the most beautiful thing that that really it, uh, I one of the uh, special things for me is that I remember when the Takona of Rambam was taught by the Rebbe was asked by the Rebbe and my uh, was a Tashim Um I think so. It was right after Pesach, the Basit before Pesach and the Meirashiyat. The learning actually started right after Pesach. And the first scene was Yid Alf Nissen, 83 Halachas. It was the 83rd year of the Rebbe. And there weren't many Rambams around. Today, there's a Ram, there's hundreds of Rambams, books of Rambams. You find them printed in one volume, in two volumes. You have Dvar Malchus, you have apps, you have it on the, on the Chabad.org. You have every Rambams are available. In those days, how did you find the Rambam? Your father had a Rambam. If he was learning Rambam, the Rambam was busy. The Koilul had one set of Rambam. The Yeshiva Gedolah had another set of Rambam. Who had, you know, wh where could you find the Rambam you're going to learn? So I took a walk. I still remember I took a walk down to my grandfather's uh, bookstore, Cantor's bookstore in Melbourne, Australia, where I grew up, on St. Kilda Road. I walked down to my Zeta store, and I was trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to ask him for Rambam? Rambam was $65, uh, was $35, or whatever it was. It was one of those... Uh, early print, you know, the Mishnayim Rambam, the, the, the hard to read, the hard to read offset wasn't very fancy. Kesef Mishnah was very small letters. And I figured, how am I going to ask him for a Rambam? I mean, it's my grandfather, but he's not going to let me buy it because it's my grandfather. He's selling the... So I came up with a kind of a, a, a agreement in my mind. I said, I'll ask him, could I pay half? He can sell me a Rambam for half price. And he did. He was very happy. He said, because I want to Rambam. I want to learn Rambam. Because I was all of 15 years old then. I can't say I learned Rambam then. I definitely read three Prokim Rambam. Uh, we were all excited. We read three Prokim Rambam. My father, maybe well, he was uh, gave a shear the entire year. He gave a shear for the Anash community in Melbourne. And the seum was on Yudal of Nissen. And, uh, and um, yeah, it was a big seum, of course. And ever since then, Rambam has been kind of a fixture. But it was several years ago that a, a younger man came to me by the oil. Uh, and he says, tell me, you learn Rambam? And I was offended by the question. You learn Rambam, he's looking at me. What? Where does he think I'm from? Where does he think I'm, I'm a lowlife? Do I learn Rambam? So he, I said, yeah, of course. He said, one peric cycle or three peric cycle? Again, I'm offended, looking at me, you know, hello, come on. What is he questioning my credentials? <laughs> I said, of course, three program. He says, but do you ever go to sleep without learning Rambam? Oh, that's what he was getting at. I said, uh, mm, mm, yes. He said, tell me, you ever went to sleep without davening Mairif? Oh, without putting on Rabbeinu Tom's film? I said, no. He says, so the Rebbe has a takon to learn Rambam. Like, how could you go to sleep without learning Rambam? I know that there's a shliach now who needs a full shlema who 
he once said about himself that he never went to sleep without learning Rambam since Tav Shemendal, since the Takana. This is uh, this took me to a different level. This this gave me Pasha a different look, and he told me it doesn't matter if you're making a chasana and you didn't learn Rambam after the chasana you sit down and learn Rambam. And yes, it did happen that I hadn't learned Rambam after when we made a chasana and after the after the chasana I sat down and learned Rambam. Um, so, so, so it's really a, um, the gift of learning Rambam is a gift that ever gave to us. Here's why I think it's a tremendous gift. I met a guy jogging in the park once in Thailand a couple of years ago. And I asked him, if he's from the Israeli embassy, I said, hello, do you jog every day? He says, I'm from the security department and I need to fill out a log every day how much I jogged. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not fit and they, they, they won't keep me in my job and being security in the Israeli embassy. And it dawned on me that our learning Rambam, let's, let's change the perspective. This is not an obligation. This is the right to take off 45 minutes or whatever long it takes you a day to learn Rambam. And that's your shlichus. I mean, when the shliach once asked the Rebbe, does, he, should, does the Rebbe want him to learn the three program, the one parak, basically the Rebbe kind of asked like, who's going to keep my takonis if not shluchim? <laughs> if, 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 you, if, if the ones who are representing the Rebbe and his emissaries are not going to learn Rambam, who's... Who's going to do the Rebbe's Takonis? So, as busy as you are, of course, if, look, if there's a state of emergency, obviously, when the guy the guy's not jogging, when there's, if God forbid, there's people attacking the MC, he's not out there jogging. But in a regular day, and in your regular Seder, the Rebbe gives us Rishus and, 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 and sanction and a, an appointment. We have an appointment with our Neshama to take off those, that amount of time that it takes on Ramam, and that is part of our Shlichus. That, that is fulfilling what we have to do. Maybe we don't have time always to learn so much as we want. Maybe we don't have... The Rebbe, I just heard the Rebbe saying in the Sikha that a Yid, when he sees somebody else is able to learn more Torah than him, he has more time to learn, whatever. He's, by nature, a Jew is mechanic. He's jealous of somebody who can learn more Torah. You know, this has to be the way we feel about Torah. When you see, oh, somebody else is able to squeeze out more time out of his day to study Torah, has more shiurim, got to be jealous. But one thing we were given on a, on a golden platter, the Rebbe said, Chitas, Rebbe said, Rambam, you have the right to take off time every day to learn Rambam. Like a mensch, probably. <laughs> Rabbi Cantor, thank you very, very, very much. And with this oomph, as we do Saita and Kenyan together, we'll all join together for the CM on, on Safer Kenyan. We'll learn it better than we learned it last year. More Be'iyun. We'll be able to spend the time. And with this, all this uh, inspiration, Yashakir, thank you very much. Thank you. And now for the highlight, uh, or I shouldn't say the highlight, but the finale, we're going to put up the quiz and we'll see how well some of us learned Safer Nazikin. We'll have a tick quick. Uh, quiz over here. If we can please ask the moderator to put up the quiz. We'll give two two minutes for everyone to get their answers in, and uh, we will go through the answers. So please, can we put the quiz up right now? Moderator, quiz, please. If not, I'll read them. Do we have a moderator? Do we have a quiz? Looking for a moderator, looking for a quiz. Okay. Going once, quiz. Going twice. Going three times? No, I guess the quiz, I have the questions in front of me, so I can, I guess, put them up. Uh, we, oh, everyone sees it except me? It's up? Am I just the one who doesn't see it? Okay. Does everyone else see the quiz? Yeah, okay. 
I'm supposed to read from my paper. Okay. Well, here are the questions. I'm going to go through them. Here are the questions. I have them over here. And we're going through them. And the choices are as follows. Which of the following halachas are not in Sefer Nezikin? Which are not in Sefer Nezikin? Is it Hilchas Geneva? Hilchas Reitzech and Shemiras Nefesh? Hilchas Shluchin Vashutvin? Or Hilchas Chevel Mazik? Which ones are not in Sefer Nezikin? Question number two. Where does the Raman discuss the halachas of kidnapping? Where are kidnapping found? Is it found in Reitzech Shemiras Nefesh? Is it found in Hilchas Geneva? Is it found in Chevel Mazik? Or is it found in Sanhedrin? Number three. If a person left a stone on a roof and it was then blown off by a regular wind and it caused damage. Now that, that stone, is that have the din? Is that chayiv because it's a told of aish? Is that chayiv because it's bar? Is it putter or is it none of the above? Number four, if someone desired the animal of his friend and he thinks about how to acquire it for himself, what Lysa says he violated? Is that Lysa Sava? or none of the above. Number five, if someone sees the Aved of his father and of his teacher, who is a greater Torah scholar than his father, which one takes precedence? Does his teacher always take precedence? Does his father always take precedence? Does his teacher take precedence only if he's his Rabbi Muvak? Or does the person free to choose which Aved to return it to first? So remember this one, see if you remember. Okay. We all know that that means financial, financial compensation. That was practiced since the times of Moshe Rabbeinu and the Bezdin of, what does the Ramam say? Hillel Shammai, Yeshua and Shmuel, Shammai and Avtalian, or none of the above? Question number seven, in which set of halachas do we learn about the mitzvah to help an animal struggling under its load? Where would the Ramam put that? Hilchas Deis, Hilchas Ritzech Hashmiras Nefesh, Hilchas Neskei or Hilchas Machalas Asuris? Question number eight, which mitzvah in the Sefer did the Rebbe discuss more? This is the list. Which one did the Rebbe discuss the most? Damaging of a, damages of an ox, stealing, egla rufa, or are miklat? Uh, which one would you think would be the most? Did the Rebbe's house, number nine, have a mica? Did it have a mica? Number one, one, always, two, never, three, it was built after Tavshim Ches. Or number, th- and last one, which of the halach, of these halachas, did the Rebbe explain the significance of the name, the name? I'm not sure if I'm the only one who could not see the quiz, but that's the quiz as it has here. Everybody, thank you very, very much, all those joining in person, joining us on Chabad.org, those who are going to be seeing. We will come together again, God willing, for the next team. And I do want to give a big, big, big Yashakayach to all the people who put this together. I am the face of the, uh, I am the face of the Siyum, uh, uh, but I want to give a big thank you to Rabbis Chaim Zaklis, David Bush, uh, Rabbi Yisrael Lane, Rabbi Yossi Lipsker, uh, Rabbi Oshi Dern, uh, Rabbi Akitzvi Cantor, and all those who I missed who have been involved and who are involved in being mechazik and spreading the Rebbe's Takana. And thank you very, very much. Where can we see the, the, the quiz marks? I don't know the moderator. I don't see it put up. I apologize. God bless you, everybody. And thank you very much. Agut moir and agut yamt.